Jake, what's going on? What's going on, my friend? How are you? Good. We always call you Jake of all trades, master of none, but I don't feel like that's a very fair assessment of yourself. <laughs> you're a master of some things. What would you say I'm a master of? Well, when you're in the gym. I'm not a master in the gym, bro. I know a few other guys that are gym rats that don't even come close to the knowledge base that you have on that stuff. So that's one of them. Um, yeah. You are on your way to mastering the drums, which I feel like is way more than most drummers. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that's true either, but... Well, you're probably... This goes, I mean, this goes back to what the thing I said last week of like, you can't trust people that <clears throat> that care about you. Oh, yeah. Well, the good news is I don't care about you, so. <laughs> oh, right. I guess I can trust you then. You're finally trustworthy in my eyes. Uh, anything new, man, uh, this last week? Not really, dude. Not really. Um, Grinding. Yeah, just staying the course, grinding yeah. it out. Yeah, sometimes that's the best thing. Yeah, just playing my part for corporate America, you know, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> What about you? Anything anything new in your life? Well, we wanted you there, but you had some prior obligations. Um, we did some shows up on the islands um, in Washington, Orcas Island and stuff. I, I don't know the difference between them, honestly, man. I drove to the ferry and got on it and then just went wherever they took us. Um, yeah. Um. I can say this because then no one will know which one I'm talking about, but a couple of them were really, really good, and one of them was mm -hmm. not. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if I ever told the story about when Nick put his capo way too high for a song at church when we were kids. Do you remember that? <laughs> <sighs> I don't think I've heard this story. See, this is the hard part about being this many episodes in. Is Anyways, so we're at church kids we rehearse this song over and over and uh we get up in front of the congregation to play the song and nick has his capo like four capos too high because he had just got done playing another song like a hymn right and and he yeah. and i are doing this like special music thing so we get up he starts playing. He's like a minute into it. I mean, not a minute, an intro into it. And he looks up at me and just like shakes his head. <laughs> like, you're gonna, you're gonna sing with this. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. okay. So I just started singing. It was terrible. I mean, I was bouncing around mm. between octaves, blah, blah, blah. So the reason this relates is because that third show that I mentioned that wasn't going very well, there was a lot of issues, technical issues, correspondence issues. This, the, mm -hmm. um, they basically set everything up off of our uh, stage plot from two years ago because the show was mm -hmm. booked two years ago and we advanced with them and told them, hey, stage plot is new, things are new, we have in-ears. Um, yeah. And they didn't know that, so... Anyways, that's not even the worst part. We get to the end of the show and Nick Capo's uh, The Road in <laughs> a completely different key. <laughs> so him and Justin are just playing together, right? And like you can't mm -hmm. change that now. 
And right. uh, so I have no harmonicas in the key of B flat. I apologize, Nick, right. that I didn't. Um, and then thankfully David figured it out quick enough and then I changed my tuning and then just sang it super low. It was like, we think we got it figured out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no one, maybe no one there knew, but that was our very last song. Like that was our encore. Yeah. <laughs> And we That's walked funny. off the stage and like all of us were just shaking our heads. It was funny. But yeah. Um, of yeah. all the songs to botch, it probably shouldn't be <laughs> yeah, the opener right. or the encore. Yeah, like right. the two bookends, you gotta get those right. <laughs> you can't come back from that. Yeah. It's kinda like no coming clutch thing, but um yeah, so it's weird. We're kinda back doing shows again, which um also, and an another weird thing is that um, we are kind of getting, kind of hearing a mask thing happen again across the U.S. So I'm a little, <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. how the rest of this year is going to go, you know, as that kind of happens. So, yeah, uh, my hope is that if the masks come back, that's it. Like, there's not a, another full. I don't think another full lockdown is in the cards. That's yeah. that's my. Uh, I feel like now that I've said that on on a recording, it's probably going to happen just because that's how the universe works for me most of the time. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. It, it seems I, I don't know that we would recover from it again. To be no, honest, and they know like, that. There's been right? there's been a couple countries who have gone in and out a few times, and they've you know been fine. But I don't think their countries are in as as great of a state of tension and. Uh, division as ours is. Yeah, there's definitely like, like a, so. a civil discourse right now that's not uh, not helping right. matters. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I, I don't would, know. Go ahead. My stance is I would be perfectly fine having to wear a mask if that meant that I got to go to things. Yeah. You know? Well, that, I think that was kind of most people's thing all along, right? Like, if you're gonna make me stay home from doing my stuff then if I can wear a mask and I can go, then that's great. Yeah. You know? Um, right. But I'm just wondering how that's going to affect the rest of the year. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm it'll, kinda, it'll be interesting because, I mean, we're going in, technically going into like fall and winter now, which yes. is like the dark ages, right? The, <laughs> the period of no happiness. And people are, you know, it, purely inside and congregating, you know, yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But this, this episode is not going to be about the thing. No, um, no, no. No one no. wants to hear us talk about it. And no. we're not even qualified or educated to talk about it. So No, I really um, was. It, you had a. I have a good, I have a good segue, actually, because I was thinking okay. Okay. about this for this year. Like, if, if that's all, if that's going to change something, you know, I think. Uh, 2020 really made me rethink our band in a way, our business, because mm. I had always put so much stock in being on the road, right? And right. Um, as soon as that year happened, it we had to put our focus into a lot of other things. Like we kind of had all of our eggs in that one basket. And I don't mm. want to discredit any other things that we had going, any other 
uh, pots we had on the stove because there were some other good things going. But um, especially now with, like, if, if things are going to be a little different this year, I've been thinking about this even more. Um, yeah, I, I've been thinking about for a while now, basically since last year, if... It's kind of like, I don't know if it's a midlife, I mean, I'm almost 30, right? And I have said this several times, but I don't feel like age is important unless you're trying to gauge, like, where people are in their lifespan, you know? And right. I know 40-year-olds that act 18, and I know 18-year-olds that act 50, you know? So it's just, it's just right. weird. Um but I've been thinking about how I, I don't know if I've been questioning whether or not the trajectory that I am on with my business and my band and this job is sustainable as is. And mm. uh, I think another big thing that jump started those thoughts for me was moving into the Airstream, right? Like, mm. it's not something that I inherently wanted to do and i right and i'm perfectly fine saying that i just kind of went along and I, I, the reason i didn't want to is because i had spent most of my life for the last 10 years on the road and i mm. i had this feeling that if i was going to be on the road when i was quote unquote home uh i was going to hate it and I've said yeah. I've said a few times on here that I enjoy it now. I've learned to like it, and I think when I come in here, when I walk through this door or walk out, it does feel like home to me. Like it's getting better. It's getting set up the way I had imagined. Um, as far as me working, you know, doing the podcast, recording music, I mm -hmm. have my little space, but. Um, I've been starting to to wonder if, uh, you know, and you and I talked about this before, even before we started the pod, um, like the suburb life, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. and, and is there any, there is no shame in that. I'm saying there's no shame in that, but is it is alluring like you you mentioned uh being able to barbecue on the weekends with friends you have around and you know I don't have any yeah. I don't have any relationship stability I have my family but and uh you know I have you and I have Nick but as far as all my other friends it's like hey man when are you going to be in town again and I don't right <laughs> I don't like hearing that uh yeah. So in a lot of a lot of words condensed into a few words, you're trying you've been thinking through the idea of settling into one one place in particular. Yep, exactly. Okay. <laughs> we got there. So I, I, the problem is I I bring up like 50 points and then you have to somehow wade through them like a swamp <laughs> in order to bring us yeah. back, but maybe, Oh yeah. Maybe we've that's gotten, the salt we've gotten and pepper. We've gotten many a DM about um, Tyler's incoherent ramblings before a point is made. So <laughs> that's where we are right now. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to uh, like what? 
punctuate punctuate that with uh, a summary there. Let me make sure. Yeah, dude. Points. No, I think I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> uh, while you're doing that, I think, I mean, I think it makes perfect sense to be considering these this idea now. You know, I feel like most most young people. I mean, we're both in our twenties. You just turned twenty nine, but. Still in our 20s, I feel like everyone kind of goes through the, you know, go off to college or, you know, go out on your own and live in an interesting place. Like, for me, it's people that feel like they have to live downtown in Kansas City um, mm. to have an interesting life or whatever. And they kind of do their do that thing for a while um, and then start to realize that it's not all that sustainable. Some people never, <clears throat> never move away from that. And that's great um, if that's what they want to do. But... I think there's definitely a strong appeal to the concept of having a home base and having roots in the ground somewhere mm -hmm. um, and having some, just that sense of consistency. And I don't want to say community because I hate when people talk about how important like their quote unquote community is, but I just don't like that. It word. is nice to, to have, I don't either. <laughs> Something I, about it just word. like blows. <laughs> I, I think know. it's it's like the the youth youth group PTSD yeah. people talking about you know man we should do a whole episode on youth group PTSD <laughs> let's do that yeah we definitely we definitely should <laughs> um, but I think that idea of having consist a consistent group of people let's call it that for now um, that you can hit up and hang out with and stuff yeah um, is a good it's a good thing so. And it's funny because I feel like every time we hang out, we end up doing the suburb life things, but just like outside of an Airstream or outside of an Airbnb somewhere yeah, or whatever, right. you know, like we're always trying to, f I, when, when I was going out to the studio, I was like, is there a grill there? Because we've always bonded over like grilling and, yeah. you know, that kind exactly. of thing. And, yep. um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I dealt with that a lot when I was moving down to Kansas City and I I went straight to the suburbs. I didn't mess around with like trying to live downtown or anything. And the, mm -hmm. it's not that I didn't want to. The main reason was um, my work is in the furthest east suburb of Kansas City. So if I mm -hmm. lived downtown, my commute would have been an hour basically each way um, when we were in the office full time. Mm-hmm. So that to me was a non-starter. So I just decided to do the suburb thing and I could not, like I really can't find anything wrong with it. It's great. <laughs> like, would you, would you change like it now? The, the, would you the lame opinion. Get a downtown apartment or anything now? No, I'm dude, I'm too used to like. Being outside. I'm too used to the kind of slower pace of life mm. i'm not, it's not even that slow you know like we live in a pretty busy area of the suburb that we're in sure um and there's there's quite a bit going on here so maybe that's yeah. why it doesn't feel that bad and i'm like across the street from getting onto the highway and 20 minutes from downtown yeah so. you're definitely not but i definitely i definitely couldn't go right right i couldn't go from where i'm at now to like a high-rise apartment downtown mm -hmm. like i i I couldn't do it. I, I'm too ingrained and in like the gym is here and I can just like drive and park. I don't have to worry about this like parking garage situation, you yeah. know, like all the, the restaurants I like to go to are down here. My friends and stuff are down here. So it would be like, 
it would be a drastic change. To me, if I was going to do that, it would make more sense to just move to a different city. Like if I was really looking for something like a like downtown a, feel. A, yeah. It would it would be that drastic of a change for me, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um because I'm it's so easy for me to get to downtown or anything else from where I'm at right now, but I don't have to deal with like parking my car in the street or mm-hmm. in a parking garage or, you know, all the hustle and bustle of being surrounded by a million people at one time. What's even, I mean, have we gone downtown, Casey, even since you've lived there? I mean, how long have you lived in in Kansas? I just had my three-year anniversary this month. I've been here for three years. I don't think think you and I have have been out um, that way. It's fun. And we every time we go down there, we're always kind of like, man, it would be cool to live down here or like we should try to get out here more often. But um, at the end of the day, like food is food, drinks are drinks, and there's a good amount of like good versions of that where we're at. So it's hard to convince ourselves to drive, you know, 20, 25, 30 minutes um, to go do something that we could do around here mm. and, you know, have the the benefit of being able to basically just like go to bed immediately after, you know, or like go sit in our backyard, our backyard. And I mean, I live in an apartment here, but it's, it's effectively feels like we have a house because we're on the first floor. We like back out to this green space. Like, um, so we sit out on the patio a lot and like go to the pool and stuff. And that, that kind of thing just doesn't exist like downtown. Like you Mm got to kind of do the, the suburb thing for that. So like I, it's frustrating to me when, um, young people, or I, I don't know what the definition of young people is, but yeah, you know, there's folks, no way to know ki- kids in their twenties, <laughs> people in their twenties or whatever. Like if you're not, I felt this insane amount of pressure to try to do the most interesting version of everything that I was doing, you know? So like when I told people I was moving to Overland park or the suburbs or whatever, they would kind of like, why are you doing that? Why wouldn't you go like get an apartment downtown? It's like because I just don't want to do that. Why is why is that such a why do people of our generation kind of like scoff at that idea until they start to turn 20 or start yeah. to turn 30 or like why why does it have to be that you can only enjoy that once you've been married? Like why is that mm. why is that concept considered settling down or settling for anything, you know? Damn. Why can't it just be someone's preference? You know what I mean? I love when you rant, man. It's it like when you when you get because seriously, I mean, do you have any other colleagues at work that live out where you do, even though it makes perfect sense, like the way you've been talking about it? Most. Yeah, I mean, most of them, most of them do, actually, because most Over of them are older you? than I am by by quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But well, the few smart. that don't, the few that don't are always complaining about how terrible their commute is and stuff, you know? And I mean, from a time spent, you know, I, I went on a whole rant a couple weeks ago about how time is my most, most valuable, um, asset. Hmm. Uh, I don't want to spend two hours of my day in traffic being frustrated and getting cut off and, you know, just like Hmm. in that rat race, you know, and, the 20-minute commute I have is not my favorite thing, but it's definitely not terrible. I'm not on the highway and stuff, so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I don't like the perception of suburb life as, mm, you know, not good. wrapping or, up your life. Right, right. Right. 
Well, that's, um, you know, one thing that you and I can talk about that I feel like we have uh, agreed to disagree on or, or we're cordial with each other about it anyways that people that are listening might find interesting for us to be on both either side. But, um, you know, it, we talk about like the renting versus owning lifestyle and, and I feel yeah. like this kind of feeds into the whole settling down thing. Right. Um, right. You know, not to keep talking forever before I let you talk, but I, re- <laughs> I rented, I rented for a long time. Um, after I got married, it was uh, an apartment and then rented a house and buying the Airstream, um, which could be seen as not really a full measure on buying. <laughs> um, right. But it wasn't cheap. I mean, we we spent a good chunk of money to have the aesthetic factor that we wanted in this thing, you know? Sure. Um, and uh, I will say that when we bought it, when we went through all the process of putting the down payment down and all that, uh, I was like five years on this thing, paying for this thing every month. I don't mm. think that, how how are we going to do that, you know? And it was right around, the good thing for us with this situation was we were paying less a month for this than we were paying rent. So, yeah. You know, you and I have talked about even off the pod about, well, then when you add up expenses for travel and um, you can't just like park this thing at someone's house for 365 days out of the year, right? Like, right. You're always moving. Um, but I will say now we only have two years left to pay this off. And I have such grand ideas and dreams for what it could be, you know? Right. Um, and then not even to get into all the, the credit benefits and stuff that it's going to have long term. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to turn this into a, a credit score podcast. I'm just saying, you know, maybe we should, well, maybe we should. Yeah. But the ranting thing, maybe another time, fin- yeah. finish, finish your point. Finish your point. Yeah. Sorry. So we're, um, but you know, we're, we're happy in this, you know? And like I said, it's mm. grown on me. I've I've enjoyed it, um, but I am right. I am not opposed to renting at all, and it makes perfect sense for me in in seasons of life when you like you right now. Would it make sense for you? Um, you're living with your your girlfriend right now. You have a job in the city. You're have all the right locations around you. What's that? I mean, what's a house cost for you in the area you're, you're in that you love? You know. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Right. Like the house. Realistically speaking, if we were to stay like in the same neighborhood that we're in, or you know, within five miles or so, but buy a house, it would probably be 
like a $500,000 house or something, you know, like it's an expensive house. And I know like regionally speaking, you know, that's not, that's not the the worst thing. Like houses, a $500,000 house in LA is like a one bedroom apartment that you might be able to buy, you know? So I understand the scale of things, but it's an expensive house. Um, So yeah, like for us right now, the renting thing is really working out great. Um, it's definitely more expensive for us to rent month to month than a mortgage mortgage would be. But to me, like all that stuff, it's tough because a lot of people grow up listening to. I mean, you said you didn't want this to become a financial part podcast, but I, I think I can. I think I can c- connect the loop here. A lot of people <laughs> grow up listening to, you know, their parents talk to them about how if you're not paying a mortgage. If you're not paying your mortgage, you're paying someone else's mortgage, you know? Yeah, that's a... Um, or, you, you know, if, you, if you're paying rent, you're just throwing money out the window because it's not, uh, it's not gaining you any equity. Right. But a lot of things that people miss, and you kind of alluded to it, is like a lot of the big mistake that I see 20-year-old, um, like right out of college, just got their new shiny brand new job, they go buy a house. The biggest mistake I see them make is they buy this like cheap house with the idea of it being a fixer upper and they're going to flip it and make all this money. Mm. And sometimes that works out, but you know, they don't always factor in the cost that it took to update it. The cost, you know, a lot of people will move into a house and then like three years later, their AC will go out and they didn't Mm -hmm. foresee that $4,000 expense that when you live in an apartment or you're renting a house, that's not your responsibility. Like someone will take care of that for you. So to me, it's a, it's a matter of priority and it's a matter of deciding what's important to you at the time. You know, like I, I had some back and forth with my parents, like, uh, probably last year or so. Um, cause they're big, you know, of the generation that owning a house is, is the most important financial decision that you can make. And the longer you wait, like the more time you're (laughs) wasting or more money you're wasting or whatever. Um, and I kind of had to just like agree to disagree with them because to them, like when they were renting things, the value proposition was very poor. Mm. But for me, I can rent this apartment and have a, sick ass pool to go hang out at in the weekends. You know, I have a garage, we have granite countertops, we have like anything that we would want here. And to me, it justifies the price of convenience. Um, I don't have to worry about painting, like taking the time to paint walls or taking the time to do all these like home projects. Dude, I grew up watching my dad just like never have a free moment because he was constantly working on the house. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I I don't want my life to be spent maintaining a house, mm-hmm. you know? So that's why when I say a house for us around here would be $500,000, that's because we would buy a house that wouldn't require, you know, a bunch of yep. renovations or updating or to get it to a point where we feel happy in it. Absolutely. We could definitely go buy, you know, like a everyone's first starter home, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen my friends that have done that and like everyone that I've known that's done that, they always like, they do this thing where they talk about their house in a way that's just trying to extract confirmation bias. Like, 
yeah, I have all this work to do, but I'm, but I, but I'm saving so much compared to what my rent would be, you know, and they just want you to like agree with them and pat them on the back for the fact that they bought a house. It's like, I'd rather wait, you know, and then buy something that I'm not going to have. I want to be able to enjoy it. You know, I want to have a house that I can enjoy and not feel like is a chore. I think I can enjoy my apartment right now and it's great. Like I, I don't have to worry about very many things here. A a thought that you and I both can agree on, I think, is that time is money, right? And so if you're you're spending all your free time investing in just your living quarters, that does not make a lot of sense. And that's one of the things we've... That was one of the things with this Airstream when we got it. Well, um, the day we bought it, the guy we bought it from, he walked us through everything, showed us it all worked, right? Right. The guy renovated, did his updates to it about seven years ago, right? They didn't really mm-hmm. use it. So you're talking like um, pretty much unused stuff that was installed a long time ago. And so the thing about that is like all of a sudden in one week, um, our smoke alarm and our carbon monoxide detector and the shower um, knob, you know, the faucet Mm -hmm. will all go wrong at once because we're Mm -hmm. dealing with aged equipment. Right. And we Mm -hmm. still haven't used the oven. I mean, we use the the stovetop to cook and all that, but we haven't like baked a pizza or cookies. Right. Right. Because we're scared as hell that we're going to burn the whole thing down. So it's like kind of this thing, you know, I, I spend all of my time out of doing my my job during the day working on this thing and it's just random weird stuff will happen like i remember when i was i was calling you texting you about when my water heater was just like spewing water right but yeah. then two days later it just stopped right <laughs> so I'm, I'm supposed to just be yeah. okay with that <laughs> like i'm supposed to just <laughs> let that go <laughs> Um, yeah, probably. I don't know. Probably not. One of but. the things, one of the things you brought up made me think about this, <laughs> this funny story. So, um, right after I got married and we moved into our apartment, um, we realized that we didn't really have a nightstand situation for the bed. Mm. And so we were like out shopping at Target or whatever. And we realized, uh, or, or we were like, oh yeah, these nightstands are cool, you know? And I told Charles, so I was like, I could, I could build those for like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you already know where this story's going, but I've like, just, I've been, I've been there so yeah, many times, but yeah, exactly. I, I can do this. I'm a, I'm a man. Mm-hmm. I can't grow a full mustache, but I'm definitely a man. So I go <laughs> to, I'll be damned if I can't do this. <laughs> so, um, you know, just like from the Midwest, you know, you know how to run a drill, you know how to use a hammer, whatever. So we, right, and a saw sometimes, <clears throat> but <laughs> so I go to Home Depot and I'm like, I'm just gonna get the wood for this thing, right? Because I know I have a plan. I got a plan off the internet's, and you know, I'm gonna build all. I'm gonna build this thing, and I get the legs that I'm gonna cut, and I get, you know. Um, pine for the top and a drawer uh, unit that's going to come mm-hmm. in and out, right? So we're we're living in an apartment at this time, mind you. Yeah. Right? Which is 
the first problem. So I yeah, I think the nightstands at Target were like fifty bucks a piece, and we wanted yeah. two of them. And I was like a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna buy wood for like forty bucks. So I'm gonna be mm-hmm. saving like less than half of the cost, right? Well, by the end mm-hmm. of the project, I had bought screws, uh, a mm-hmm. jig tool, a new saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like by the end of it, I had spent, but I kept trying to justify like, baby, uh, I'm going to use this stuff down the road when we need to build more stuff, you know? Yeah, when and, we need to build more furniture that we could have ex- bought. Yeah, exactly. Out of two by fours that looks like crap. Mm-hmm. But the time, mm-hmm. the time I spent doing that, um, you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember specifically I was out. So we had a little, we were on the top floor. Um, so apologize to our neighbors down below us at, uh, Lumina apartments in Gresham, Oregon. But, um, <laughs> if you're listening to this, <laughs> so we liked that, right? Because it was quieter, but we right. you're right like it doesn't really feel like a house when you can't like walk out to the ground floor with that outdoor mm. thing but we have this little balcony thing you know that was probably like four people wide and that's where i did this project and uh every i mean i'd work all day and then i'd go out and work on these nightstands at like six mm-hmm. seven o'clock and i had I literally had a neighbor go, um, <laughs> like, it was like the third day. I just hear this, shut up! <laughs> it was like, it's like, okay. <laughs> so I realized that, like, um, you know, there's this, this whole thing to, like, building instead of buying or owning instead of renting time mm. time is money and also like comfortability yeah. of i mean my wife was like uh i haven't seen you for like 2 weeks because you're out there like a mad scientist on the deck like measuring and like nightstand. recutting yeah and just so everybody knows the nightstand out of, out of a 10 was like a 4 you know like it it was <laughs> right. level but when you open the drawer you had to like hit it up and then like pull uh-huh. the drawer out, you know? It's just like, I don't know. We had people come over and their first comment whenever they visited the apartment was like, oh, did you build that nightstand? I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> what Obviously, yeah. You I bought this. Popsicle sticks. Exactly. Yeah, there's something to that. And I'm in a situation right now where I... I'm not renting anything that I have. Um, I bought my truck from my parents, so mm. um, I have that. I'm not making payments on it. It needs help. But the Airstream that I'm in now, uh, I'm making payments on it. But but there's something to payments, too. When you get a loan for something, you, you're not just paying exactly what it's worth every month, you know? And right. And so there's some overhead there as well that I think about a lot yep. when I'm laying in bed <laughs> looking at the ceiling. Got to pay the piper, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, the thing, I mean, I think the overarching theme, though, is like the idea of choosing choosing the option that is best for you, 
right? Yeah. Not just like going and buying a house because that's what you feel like you're expected to do. I think mm-hmm. that's probably why it seems like such a um, such a drag because yeah. we're just expected to do that. You know, mm-hmm. that's why it's associated with it being the end of your line or like your life. You're now officially boring because anything that you're just expected to go do, you're not really going to enjoy or like view it as that kind of thing. You know, like I told my, when I was talking to my parents about it, I basically just said to them, don't you worry. Like I'm going to buy a house. There's going to come a day where that (laughs) becomes the choice. They used to, they don't anymore, but (laughs) there's going to come a day where that's what I decide I want and will be an upgrade in terms of my priorities. You know, like there's going to come a day where, um, you know, I really want to be able to customize my workspace and I'm, I'm starting to get there, you know, like I'm sick of this, like the color of the walls in here and it would be nice to, mm-hmm. you know, run ethernet ports to all the rooms. So I don't have to deal with Wi-Fi and, you know, yeah. things like that. And having a, a, an actual backyard and, um, a full garage to store stuff and do projects and stuff. So I'm starting to get there, but I didn't want to do anything just because I felt like I had to, especially a decision like that. That's so such a major, you know, can steer the direction of your life. And yeah, there's also the the point to be said about like, what if I had decided, and I'm not saying this is the case, but what if I had decided that I didn't like my job? So then, Mm. you know, I'm starting to look for other jobs, but uh, something comes up in a different city. Well, now I'm in this position where I have this freaking house that I have to sell before I can, you know, make a change. So transition periods are really good for, you know, renting, really good for just like doing what you feel like is best for you and not doing what you've, not, you know, worrying about what is the expectation or what, you know, the status quo is because you're trying to figure out your thing at that time. Does that make sense? I feel like that point didn't make any sense. No, it did. And, you know, I think there is kind of a standard chain. You, um, you know, in my case, in Nick's case, my parents didn't go to college. My dad went to tech school for two years. And um, my mom, when they moved to Nebraska, she started teaching at preschool, right? So it just like... No, they didn't really know, but they kind of said, okay, all the questions they asked us were based on what they thought was a life they had provided for us. And um, Mm. you graduate high school, you go to college, you get your job, you meet someone at college or otherwise, and then you get married, you build a house or live in a house, you Mm -hmm. buy it, right? Like renting wasn't, they did that like early on, right? So it was like my mom and dad rented a house where my dad still works. Um, But once they started having babies, it was like gonna build, gonna move into a house and start working on it. And um, that's kind of the trajectory for it. And and after you have kids, you uh, go to their sports games and then you die right so it was kind of like but yeah. but that's i'm not you trying literally to die disc- when their sports games end <laughs> yeah live vicariously through their uh, athletic yeah. ability um but no it's i'm not saying that's a bad thing either you know it's 
like that's one way to do it and and a lot of people yeah. are very fulfilled and um you know i think i think sometimes for a lot of guys that aren't happy doing their job but they really love their family and they they do everything they do for their kids right i'm like my dad mm. he did his job and he still works his butt off but especially like when we were kids and everything he was setting everything up for us and and that's you know like sometimes when i have conversations with people that are like oh man that generation you know they just like worked their asses off and they didn't like life and they're unhappy and i'm like my dad did that i i'm a musician you know what i mean like yeah. i'm not saying it's directly because of him but because he set us up for the ability to be able to like they saved for college for us when we were very young right and they yeah. all this stuff that gave me opportunity to be what i want to be and i'm sure there's a lot of musicians that squandered their upbringing you know like Mm-hmm. Well, we saved all this money for you for college. And I was like, yeah, man, but uh, peace out, you know. And, right. <laughs> and my parents said something really cool to me that I'll never forget. When I went my first year of college, I came back um, to see them in the summer just for a couple of weeks. And I told them, hey, I want to take just a year, you know, which we joked about in the last podcast. Don't do that. But. I was like, I want to just take a year and play music and I want to just see where it goes. And, you know, if it doesn't feel like we even have the thing or we have momentum, then I'll go right back to school, you know? And Mm -hmm. my parents were like, we, you can, and we, we, we support you emotionally and as your family, but you aren't, but we're going to stop we're going to cut you off basically like not in a (laughs) bad way. You know what I mean? Like up until this point, my mom had been kind of helping with groceries or gas and, um, college. Right. So it was like, uh, it was good for me though, to have that, that time to realize that any money that I spent, I had to make. And I learned a lot. And, um, you know, like we talked about this before, but, I, after I left for college, I never moved back home until Mm. COVID and I was 28 years old, you know, (laughs) like it's such a weird thing because all of my friends, I would say are, did it right. Like all the friends that I went out with on the weekends and stuff back when I was living in Omaha, Nebraska, you know, six, seven years ago, um, they lived with their parents after college for like a year or two. That's what you did. Just to like get get a no, I didn't. No, you didn't. You lived there Dude, while you were. I went in to college. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I lived. I lived there for two years when I was in college. I was but out when I when I graduated. But you know what I'm saying? Like being yeah, with your family no, to like ground you and gives mm-hmm. you the ability to look and search. And then your parents are like, okay, they're gone, and now they miss you, right? They just want mm-hmm. you around. And for my parents, it was like we were just gone like i dust in the rear view just was gone and then like coming back for covid and stuff you know they they were like this makes sense i i get while you're here but it was super weird to be back in my hometown yeah. 
And everyone there was mm-hmm. like, what the heck are you doing? And I was like, man, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really have a job right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you started, you started to catch the uh, need to settle down fever from being back in your hometown or, or what, what I, I did, did it to you? And that's the thing is it's not so bad because I was working with guys that just, you know, I looked around and was like, man, they must hate this. They're here for nine hours and they're working themselves to the bone. But anyone you talked to there had a backstory as to why they were doing it. Right. You know, and I think the thing that kind of scares me at the end of wherever this this road is with music and all that is that when someone's going to ask me what it was all for, am I going to say, well, from the beginning, this is what I wanted to do, you know, like I did it for me. And yeah. I found ways to make it for my family and long term and, you know, providing whatever bullshit term that is, you know, but it's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm scared. I'm scared to, to, I I love what my dad says when he sits there and he says, I did all this so that I could see you guys do what you wanted to do, right? Well, if I spent my Mm -hmm. whole life doing what I wanted to do, what's my son's option, you know? It's not like, Mm. (laughs) it's not like I'm collecting benefits and stuff, you know? It's, it's just that. uh, Yeah. I I worry. I hope that the life that I'm creating passes on, you know, for him in a way. And yeah. Do you feel like the worrying is a productive mindset, though? Like, what I mean, what things do you feel like you need to be doing to make that to make that a thing? Because I I agree with you. I think like mm-hmm. it would be really unfortunate to. 10 years from now be like, well, I'm going to have to go do, I'm going to, I'm going to have to quit this because, you know, I have a kid, I have a family and this isn't cutting it. Um, but I know how people like you and people like me, we talked about this last week, can't just like walk away from things that we're passionate about. Right. Exactly. So like, what do you have to do to make sure that that's not the case? Like what, yeah. What wheels do you need? I mean, it's, mostly a rhetorical question, but what wheels do you need to put in motion now to set that up? Because I feel like mm-hmm. we can spend so much time worrying about something and then before we know it, all that time has passed and then we're there. And, you know, instead of yeah. fixing the problem that we were worried about, we created it by worrying about it in a way. You know what I mean? Exactly. And there's this thing about being in a band and playing music where you're sort of living in this fast and loose lifestyle, right? And you can right. say that and you can do that lifestyle for a while, but at some point that's going to run out. It's a short rope. And I'm talking about things like when you come when you come down to like retirement, health insurance, all that stuff. That stuff it's not like we're signing in. We didn't sign into a company that had that stuff provided. And those are the questions people ask you after they find out you have a job. Like, oh, did you get good benefits with that? Like, you know, yeah. you get to go to the dentist with that and like get. No, none of that stuff for what we do is that we've had to bring that stuff in from third party and like, uh, you know, all this 
all this thing, which companies do, right? When companies start, right. they find a relationship with some, you know, but like, that's the thing that I think about is, um, I want to, I want for people that work with us and for Nick and I and, you know, anyone that comes from Nick and I to be able to have that stuff. And I feel like that, that is the struggle I go through most times. And I think when I'm thinking the, the job I have, you know, and this is, this might just be a selfish thing and I'm, maybe not every musician goes through this, but I personally am a person that if I go on a three week tour, I'm gassed. I come back. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to do anything, but there is so much for me to do. And it's, I mean, right. I know, you know, we talk on this podcast a lot about finding another gear and working hard. It's, it's so important. Um, but I, I'm worried sometimes I think maybe I selected a job that demands so much of my physical presence and time, um, mm. that, that when it comes to these other things that I need to be doing on the back end, maybe, maybe I falter a little bit, you know, you have like, um, I, you know, you imagine Jeff Bezos, right? The dude probably doesn't clock out at five and then just watch movies and eat pizza and drink whiskey, right? Like, well, I mean, he might now. The dude's worth two hundred billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, he might be a bad example. <laughs> spaceship. He's a he's a literal space yeah. cowboy. So I think you, need, you might need to pick <laughs> no, a different example. I didn't even think about that space cowboy. Um. But, but yeah, no, I get it. I, like the, these super I mean? successful people that have a lot of these things set up, you know, they're not unplugging and just like cracking a beer at the end of the day. Like, no, they don't. Like right? Some of us worker bees do, you know. That's but, how I feel, dude. As the the job that I do, I still feel a tie to that lifestyle of like I busted my ass all day. I'm going to crack a beer. I'm going to chill mm. out. But if mm -hmm. I do that, I am leaving an entire it's like the iceberg analogy, right? Yeah. All right. that stuff under the water, I am just leaving till tomorrow yeah. when I don't have time for it. That's what that's what worries me. And meanwhile, you know, I've got to spend time with my kid. I'm take my dog for a walk, you know. I just Right. This is an age old problem. I'm not the first one <laughs> to go through. Well, this. I think I mean, I think the difference here is that um like you said, you've spent so much time being on the road and you spent so much time where like the music was, was your job. Right. But yeah. I think, I don't know if it's just a function of momentum and in growth or also the, the pandemic. I think the pandemic woke a lot of creatives and musicians up to the idea that like just playing shows every weekend isn't the way like really setting up a business and a business model and a way to make money without being on stage mm -hmm. is is how to do it sustainably. So you, now you're in this position where your primary focus isn't writing songs and performing and getting paid on a weekly basis from venues or whatever. Your mm -hmm. primary, primary focus now is um, setting up a business and yep. a sustainable business and all, defining roles and team members and things like this on top of also being 
a songwriter and a performer. And that is true. You know, I I feel like if you want lessons learned, um, maybe spend, maybe it's time to spend less time like researching what other musicians have done, but just researching business owners in general, because Mm -hmm. that's the, that is the story of everyone who's ever started a business is they had this idea and they were the employee. So they had to not only make the idea happen, but also set up the business and, you know, do all that stuff themselves. So Mm. I think, I think musicians tend to, or, you know, maybe not just musicians, but that's just the world that I have um, eyes on mostly. Mm -hmm. Musicians tend to only research other musicians, right? And they think, well, here's the prescription life. You know, you write a lot of music and you play a bunch of shows and eventually you hope to get signed by a label who will take care of your business for you, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's a major benefit to doing that. You become an employee and you get, you know, every your stuff paid for and all this, blah, blah, blah. The problem with that is I think that narrative has been sown as the only option. Whereas there's, I, I think there's a way for musicians to become legitimate, like small business owners of themselves and like really set things up. But the problem is it's not as glamorous. And I think a lot of musicians just want, want the whole like get signed and have someone buy them a bus thing. You know, I can't blame them. That's that's what I would probably want too, you know. But what I'm saying is musicians tend to only look at what other musicians are doing and how to set yeah. up their life. But in reality, if you disconnect the specifics of being a musician, but think of it more as a product or think of it more as a, an idea, then it becomes a lot more broadly applicable to all of these other people throughout millennium that have started businesses like selling bread or selling whatever thing, you know? So I think there's a lot more parallels to be drawn to the traditional corporate life or the traditional business owner life than um, are immediately obvious. Yeah. And you just said something I've been thinking about is, you know, as a bread maker, uh, it wasn't just like one good loaf of bread and then it all changed. It was consistently making very good bread and then mm-hmm. having people catch on from near and far to that, right? At least I mm-hmm. think that's how it went. And the fiction that we were fed when we start started playing music was uh it just takes one great song, right? Right. Uh man, if I haven't written more than one great song in the 10 years that I've been playing music, I I quit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know <laughs> yeah. there are songs on three albums and self-made albums before that that are great songs. And, yeah. and it they're, the thing with an art, artist and a musician is there's so many of us, right? Like, you mm-hmm. can... There are so many of us. Your playlist on Spotify is curated to you, and you might have a hundred bands on a playlist that no one else has even heard of in your circle. Right. There's mm-hmm. a lot of us, and it's not, you know, someone can say, oh, I just wrote, I wrote that one good song, right? And mm-hmm. then everything changed for me. I'm like, man, it hasn't ever been about writing a great song for me and it gets heard. It's uh, it's it's not about that because I've had people, important people in the industry, hear 
one of the best songs I've ever written and just the answer is always we have too many people signed. We're, we're not taking any more people on. There's too many yeah. of you, right? <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it is a, even in this industry in music, it's a slow grind. Like it, mm-hmm. and I mean, man, I hate to sound just like my dad, but when he said he went to work every day for what for the benefits in the future, I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm not, I know we've said before on the pod, you, you got to write every song on the album like a single, right? Someone might only mm. download one song or listen, stream it. And like the whole thing's got to be, you don't get deep tracks anymore. You don't get to put like right. a track eight, whatever the hell you want to do. It's got to be a really mm-hmm. good song, you know? And yeah. it's like up the ante. But again, I'm, I don't mind the long, I don't mind the long haul, and I was raised to put my nose to the grindstone and just work it out, but uh, I wish everyone around me in my industry would just shut up about, like, writing a great song and and you're on Jimmy Kimmel, you know what I mean? Right. Like, Yeah, well, I think that's a, a work ethic lapse. You know, it's like the easy out answer. Like, oh well, they must have just, they must have just had one good uh, viral video, and then you know this label picked them up. Because it's easier for it's easier for people to digest these like, well, it's a one in a million shot versus like there's there's just a work aspect to it, right? Because that's not as fun. That's not as fun of a story to tell. Oh, how'd you get here? Oh, I busted my ass for fifteen or twenty years, and then I finally broke through. Ah. Eh. Mm-hmm. I'd rather hear about the kid that got signed on YouTube after yeah, one that's good video. Way more you know? interesting. Yeah. It's way more, way more <laughs> glamorous and romanticized. But yeah, yeah, dude, it's business, you know. And um, mm. I think, I think creatives, creative people, and especially creative people of our generation, for some reason, I think try to um, avoid the fact that business is business, and sometimes you have to learn how to navigate that as a creative person and understand that. Just because you're creative doesn't mean that you get to, um, that excuses you from having to work hard and that excuses you from having to take like spreadsheets seriously, you know, mm-hmm. and like keeping track of expenses and all this boring crap. Like it's, it's important. Yeah. It's important. The very last thought I'll throw in is that my father-in-law, when I um, got married, he and I were on a long car ride, whatever, and the whole family was sleeping. It was he and I up front, and he said, he's an accountant, and they did this event where, um, I think it was Brooks and Dunn. I think that's what he said. It doesn't matter. A, a really well-known artist played for the event, and you know everybody at the event knew how much they were getting paid, right? Well, because they yeah. were all accountants, but <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And right, he said... Right he was like, I can't even believe it, like how much they got. And he's like, is that possible for you guys? And I was like, I don't know how to lay this out for you in any other way, but not everybody is Walmart, right? There are are tons of grocery stores and supermarkets that are doing just fine and enjoy their lives that aren't that size or whatever. Mm. And, and 
I think it was like I saw, I saw the light come on in his eyes. Like, you know, as a band, you always think if you're not on Jimmy Kimmel or featured on a Spotify playlist, whatever, you're struggling, right? Right. And that that isn't true. I haven't been struggling for the last, I would say, three years of my life. I I haven't been going paycheck to paycheck, right? Yeah. But I'm the the beauty of that is that I am able to put out tons of content, you know, man, not to talk about TikTok in the last 10 seconds, but like my favorite TikTokers put out so many videos yeah. and then it's like, I've been watching them from the beginning or I see their super popular one and I go back and watch a ton mm-hmm. of their stuff, you know, it just, mm-hmm. you gotta like keep pushing content out. This exactly uh, Ira Glass, everybody Go listen to uh, Ira Glass talk about putting out a ton of work and just keep putting out work and making yourself better and put mm. in the grind as a creative and then eventually, um, I don't even want to say realized, you'll be appreciated, right? It's not yeah. just after you die. You can be appreciated right. in your lifetime too. Yeah. Well, man, we, we covered a lot of bases this week. Hopefully it's... Uh, we can, some, some folks will connect the dots, but, uh, thanks everyone for sticking around for another episode of similar vein podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe if you haven't already and hit us up on Instagram at similar vein podcast. And until next time, we'll see y'all later. I see y'all.